2: This is Tyrese Halbern and you're listening to Setting The Pace.
0: Look, Setting The Pace with Alex and Alexa Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex, and if I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me, how you gonna stop me, we can go head be? to head, Call out your top three, call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton run the point. This is a benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block.
1: Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, and we have got a fun one for you today, Fachi. Let the people know who we have coming
2: on. So we have the coach himself, David Thorpe. He is breaking down. He's actually been watching a lot of Pacer basketball, so yeah. I-, I think that that's going to be really exciting. This man really knows his stuff. You- you're really going to want to hear what he has to say about Andrew Nimhardt So I thought it was an awesome interview. Had a lot of fun with it. Alex, what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, truehoop.com is where you can find all of David's work and he covers the entire league. It's not just the Pacers, but he said he hasn't missed a Pacers game. He's been really intrigued by them and what they're doing all the way from Halliburton to, to Matherin. And and we even got some deep conversations on Neesmith and uh, Jalen Smith, but very in depth. And I think that's what you're going to like about it. You know, he has his own podcast where they kind of do some X's and O stuff. And we didn't get into the nitty gritty of that kind of stuff, but it was a very great conversation about how bright this Pacers future is. Because even if you're, like Fauci said, walking inside with your sunglasses on, the future is so bright. I mean, you might need to get another pair because the way Coach Thorpe talked about this young Pacers core, you're going to be running through the wall excited <laughs> just because this is, uh, this is, uh, I just love seeing it from an outsider's perspective, especially a guy that coaches basketball. Talk about how awesome this team is built so far, and the job Rick Carlisle is doing. I mean, I I was just blown away with everything he was saying.
2: Just like Alex said, stock up on sunglasses, everybody, because it's getting blinding <laughs> out here. But yeah, the way that that coach was raving about you know Nemhart and what he could be, and how young this team is, and how they can grow together. Talking about. Having multiple all-stars on this team. And I'll give you a hint. He wasn't talking about Matherin and Halliburton. So there was some good stuff. I don't want to spoil it for everybody. So, Alex, should we get out of the way?
0: Yeah, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with the coach. What's going on, everybody? Joining us now on Setting the Pace. He's making a Setting the Pace debut, but you guys are no strangers to him. He's just been covering basketball for a long time with ESPN. And now with True Hoop, it's the one and only David Thorpe, Coach Thorpe. Coach, how's it going, man? Doing great. Happy to be here. Awesome, man. So, you know, we we have been really impressed uh, as Pacer fans here with the way this team has played so far this season. And I know you've been keeping a very close eye on them. And I'm just curious, let's start things off here. This past Monday, Andrew Nimhard had a terrific game against the Golden State Warriors, 31 points. 13 assists, eight rebounds. I know you've, you know, got a relationship with Andrew. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing from him so far this season.
1: Well, first I want to say he also took two huge fourth quarter charges. Yeah. And when when I I, I know his dad, and when his uh his father texted me, that's the first thing he texted. Because um, I said to Andrew in the offseason, if you want Kyle Lowry money, you got to make Carl, Kyle, Kyle Lowry plays. And so you didn't take charges in college, but a couple of times he's, he told me that. I don't know. I didn't watch him that much at Gonzaga a couple of times. Um, but if you if you want to be that kind of player, you need to take charges. So I'm proud to say that he's kind of, you know, embraced that. Um, oh, I mean, I don't know. Almost don't know where to begin with the Pacers in that game. I, I did watch that whole game. And uh, I'm a huge Kevon Looney fan. I'm also a big Andrew Wiggins fan. Wiggins not playing in that game probably made a big difference because I think he could have got an Andrew better than anyone the Warriors had. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't guard Andrew and probably didn't know they had to. And so that to me probably is where you, where you begin is I think Tyrese's success this year as a, a absolute ball dominant playmaking guard gave Andrew the, uh, the, the vision to do the same thing with Tyrese out. And especially with TJ out also, let's be clear with both those guys, not playing Andrew knew he, I ain't getting pulled. Yeah. So I can kind of do my thing and, and see what happens. And, um, I think the league uh, saw what, what we saw. That I watched him work out a lot this summer for his player development coach for the pre draft, a guy named Ross McMaines. He was coaching in the, the G League now. He's a big time, big, big, big time player development specialist. Has Scotty Barnes a couple years ago. He's had a ton of NBA high level players. He's a great, great teacher and coach. And so I, I kind of mentor Ross. And so that's why I got to see Andrew a lot when I went out there to watch it and a bunch of other players too. And I said to uh, Ross, uh, I, I don't know how fast he is. Make sure you work on some full court speed things. Let's see. And Andrew is really fast, uh, very quick laterally. His handle is so tight. He's pretty quick in tight spaces with the ball. The ball doesn't slow him down like it does a lot of players. He uses it like Chris Paul does, almost like as a as a cudgel. He just, it, it's, a, it's a benefit to him, whereas it slows other players down. But his speed is very good. And this guy's like 6'5", 197 with 3% body fat. Like this is a beast of an athlete that just doesn't jump like Russell Westbrook. And so I think the Warriors saw when he's coming downhill, he is a handful. And he's so quick mm-hmm. in the, in the, and like I said, in tight spaces, he'll quickly get that reverse or hook surge, go same foot, same hand finish. He's got all the craft. And in college, and this is the mistake everyone makes guys. I was super high on Scotty Barnes, uh, who was a teammate of my sons at Florida state when he was a, a freshman in college and I thought that he was nearly as assertive as he should have been when he was at Florida State. It's very typical of an of a unselfish college player to be unselfish to the extreme. The NBA is a different animal. You want to get paid. You want to prove value all the time. Andrew is a competitive dude. Uh, and I, w- I was telling Mike, uh, if you listen to Drew Time talk the other day, the great Gonzaga player, am I allowed to cuss on the show? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I won't. I won't go crazy. I'm just quoting Drew. Uh, Drew was asked, "Like, are you surprised at this?" And he said, "No. In fact, I had a friend talk to Chet Holmgren, and Chet was saying this summer when he was training, people have we know how good Andrew was. He was the most important player on our team. I had a New York Knicks scout tell me this recently. He said people don't realize it, but the the best, the most important player in the Gonzaga team, maybe the last two years, was Nemhart." And, and so Tim was talking kind of the same thing about, we knew how good he was. And he said, and so the guy interviewed him did a great job and and said, what, give us an example of what you knew, like from inside, you know, the team. He said, when teams would go under screens with him, because he didn't, he was never a good shooter until his last year at Gonzaga at Florida, at Gonzaga's first year, he wasn't a good shooter. And uh, they go under it because they didn't believe in him. And he'd nail a three when you go under the screen and he would turn to the head coach. This is Drew talking. He would turn to the head coach and say, F you. <laughs> now, I have some mutual friends of Andrew's because I've never seen this side of Andrew. And they told me, no, he's a motherfucker. Like, he is a competitive dude. He's just about his business. You know, he's just about his, like a pitcher in baseball. He just stays even. But inside there's a raging inferno. And I think... I think when Rick Carlisle said he should have been probably a top ten pick, that's I think I, I'm gonna tell you this, guys. We're a pick and roll league. He was by far the best pick and roll player in the draft. That's I saw that on film. I talked to NBA coaches who are really into pick and rolls, guys that spent time in Europe. And they're like, we want this guy with our high pick because we can do so many things with him as a pick and roll player. And the fact that he went 31, and there were some teams, there were three or four teams that I definitely thought would take him in the 20s based on when I was talking to people, he goes to 31. Oh, yeah, you're seeing an angry dude who is, I mean, very clearly, guys, he is playing his role very smartly. It's Tyrese's team. But when no Tyrese, no TJ, like Andrew Andrew said, okay, here we go. I've got, I've got this. And he did. You no, know, it's it's true, and there was some projects
2: being taken in the late twenties of the draft that went ahead of Nemhart, who was far more accomplished his for your career in college. So I, I think that that's a great point over there. But a couple of names you brought up, you know, T.J. McConnell, kind of the, the veteran, you know, leader over there, but then also Tyrese Halliburton, the guy who's the name that is is starting to become a household name. Yeah. How has, you know, and you, we talked uh, off air that Halliburton has kind of drew you in a little bit initially. Very much But so. then you start to fall in love with some of the other young players on this team. How has Tyrese Halliburton changed the landscape of what was expected to be a rebuild to now all of a sudden a team that is better than expectations?
1: I thought Indiana was going to be terrible this year. And uh, I'm not alone. And I'm normally really You're good not. at projecting teams, but I'm not perfect. I didn't see, <laughs> I didn't see this jump from Tyrese. No, uh, I didn't see Ben being as good as he is. And um, Tyrese, uh, I thought was a solid prospect coming out of Iowa State. Uh, at Sacramento, he didn't excite me as much as a bunch of other people. Maybe I'm wrong. It looks like I probably was looking at what he's doing now. But when you can make shots at the level he's making shots, and when you can pass the ball and decision make the way he is doing both of those, you're an all NBA player. Like he may not make all NBA, because there's a whole bunch of really good point guards, but I I'd argue that this right now in the season, he's in the running for one of the three or four, you know, guard spots. Um, He's been, he's just been nothing short of magnificent. I mean, all those assists, the few turnovers that he has, he's not a good defensive player and that's got to change. I think that's where Andrew really helps because he really guards. Um, But Tyrese is deservedly a face of a franchise max player guy. And uh I don't. I don't agree with the idea that the Kings won the trade. Also, I mean, I like Sabonis. I like the fact that Fox is surging. He is. Darren Fox has been terrific, but you had both of them, and I. I, I kind of. I'm telling people now, uh, the Pacers have the same problem that the Kings did a year ago. You've got two All Stars on your team. One's going to be the face of your franchise in Halliburton for sure. But if you don't think Neymar can be an All Star. When you look at what he did in two starts, this guy has not been any. He's not been running any pick and rolls because Tyrese and T.J. run most of them. And then, and then he blows away Portland. You see all the points he created. They didn't mm-hmm. make them all, but the number of shot he created more shots than Tyrese has done the in, over the course of the season in those two games that he started a point. So you have the same problem. Indiana hopefully is smarter than Sacramento because Halliburton is an absolute star. and he's a great charismatic leader i'm very i don't know him at all I'm very uh, appreciative of the energy he brings as a as a team leader and uh i think they now have two of those guys and uh i'll just leave you with this i had i had a high level executive tell me this summer his team was loaded with wings and everyone thinks he's going to trade some wings and he said to me everyone needs these players why would i trade them i have them I don't want anyone to have them. I have them. Well, we also need pick and roll guards in this league that is increasingly going to tactics. And the Pacers have two brilliant surgeons that pick and roll and one's 23 and one's 22. You better figure out a way to keep them both happy and not give any of them away because that's something that every team would covet now. I mean, let's let's
0: just stay there for a second because I'm curious. We, we've actually had some fans of the show Ask us like, what is Nimhart's future role with this team? Obviously, if he's not going to be the primary point guard because of Halliburton, you know, being here and being as great as he is, what is his role with this team? And you know, we talked about this on our last episode. I mean, I kind of feel like maybe you let him run the second unit and and figure out a, a place to move TJ to in terms of trading potentially, because I just think you got to get the ball in Nimhart's hands more than making him play off ball all the time. But at the same time, you know he probably has enough skills to be a potential starter in this league. And I know that you're almost kind of falling back into that Jalen Brunson situation uh, that that Rick had to handle in Dallas. I mean, does that maybe experience there translate into how they handle uh, Nimhard's minutes and roll with this team moving forward?
1: Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. So Rick loves multiple point guards. This is not a surprise. If you follow his career, go back to the Devin Harris days with, uh, um, uh terry uh what the heck was his last name the got from arizona oh jason terry jason terry right so i mean jj berea too by the way <laughs> they were all on the same team rick loves that so I, I i have two parts to the to the answer the first part is um i think you're exactly right alex i've been saying this now for a little bit once i saw him play against portland i realized okay that kid can he can handle primary point guard duties so you just have to stagger their minutes some you, you got to start him at two he's your best defensive player uh, and maybe Duarte takes it back. I, I, don't, I don't believe that he will, but it's possible. I, I like Chris Duarte, too. He went to junior college in my state, Florida. In fact, I coached a high school kid who played with him at uh, Northwest Florida. Um, I think Andrew's just starting to, I get Nemhard out after six minutes, let Tyrese play another four or five, or, you know, give or take, and then bring Andrew into the second unit. Uh, uh, that's probably the way I would do it. They're still going to play some together. And the way Andrew's shooting the ball and catch and shoot, that's fine. And then, and then, and also he's a better defender than Tyrese. So that works out good. And then let him run the second unit. Also, that's, that's the easy thing. The, the bigger picture is long-term. And so I said, we were talking on fair going into the draft. I thought he was Tyus Jones, meaning this guy's floor was the best backup point guard in the league, which is what Tyus Jones has been the best backup point guard in the league who manages the game very well. Can you, I mean, I think they went 22 and four when John Morant was out last year. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, that, that I thought was Andrew's floor and maybe most likely projection. Then I started thinking when I saw how tough he was, this guy is, this guy, I mean, he's, watch him when, when a big guy rolls in Spain action, you guys know Spain action. Andrew is nailing the big guy, keeping him going to the rim. He's always getting the extra block out when, when, when Miles Turner goes to help, Andrew's the one Trying to nail the big to knock him out of bounds or at least prevent him from getting to the rim. When I saw that, I said, "Oh, he's Kyle Lowry." But now, after watching these last three games, uh, and I don't—you can argue who's the better player. Uh, I think he's Drew Holiday. Mm. And Ooh. so, if you're Drew, so he's going to be one of the to- Drew Holiday might be better than Andrew ever will be as a defensive player. I also coached Drew in pre-draft, so I, I spent a lot more time with Drew actually than Andrew. Um, Drew, I think, is the best perimeter defensive guard in, in the league and has been for some time. I, I Andrew can get there. It's really close. Drew was wow. built. When I had Drew, he was 18. He was built like a power forward. Well, I told you, Andrew's 6'5", 197, 3% body fat. That's a that's a small power forward. Yeah, This is a big, strong dude. <laughs> and so I think he's Drew Holiday. And so look at Drew. He's always almost always played next to other primary ball handlers, whether they're Giannis with size or... You know when he was in New Orleans with players, so and or even Philly, I think Andrew can play on the ball and off the ball. And if we're going to be a smart league with pick and roll, we want multiple guys able to run it with multiple guys that can play off it, understanding spacing. Tyrese is a great shooter, catch off the catch or the dribble. They should be an unbelievable backcourt together, and and then you throw in Ben. In my opinion, Ben's better suited as a three anyway. And those three guys, I mean, you're talking about one of the best under 23 three-man trios you know in the league and that right over there saying one of the best young three-man trios
2: under the age of 23 that is everything pacer fans have been wanting for years and years to come but right now it's kind of been a a bit of a luxury of having benedict matherin becoming off the bench right now and we know at some point he will be that starter But what's really impressed you about Matherin this early on? Because when we were talking offline, it was like, look, he's been impressive, thought he was good, but maybe not this good. We're talking about a guy that very well could be the rookie of the year, but also could be the sixth man of the year. You just don't see this And at the sixth overall pick, which, you know, it's not late, but it's been a little bit of a toss up in the previous years. The Pacers struck gold at six with Matherin. What have you liked from his game so far?
1: Yeah, well, I want to lead into Matherin talking about Coach Carlisle. I thought Coach Carlisle made two brilliant moves for the Pacers. Uh, The first one was when Duarte went out, he did not bring in Matherin. Uh, I think that was smart because your group in the starting group, they already have a bunch of guys that want to shoot every time they touch it. Jalen Smith just wants to shoot threes. Buddy. Uh, (laughs) Right. Miles Turner just wants to score. He's in a contract year. We know Buddy takes more threes than Steph Curry, and I love Buddy but let's face it, that guy wants to chuck it. Yes. Tyrese is playing for a max deal and this is the business we're in. They're, they're allowed to do these kinds of things. So Rick's job is to coalesce it all into some kind of cohesive unit, right? So I thought it was brilliant to let Ben come off the bench so we can cook in the second unit and then bring in uh, in. I really give Rick so much credit for this. I, I, I literally do not think that Nemhart does what he does if Rick started teaching him and having him play the one early on. I think he built so much confidence off the ball and felt comfortable in the NBA game that when the ball was handed to him with no TJ and no Tyrese, Andrew just felt confident that okay, I know how to play this game. I've had a lot of success. I had the game winner against the Lakers where, as I said to someone, he 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 made four threes, he he took eight shots, he touched the ball ten times. Like the ball was never in his hands in that Lakers game. But I think Rick was brilliant to to not just let him be the backup one and let TJ. Continue to do it. So now we get to Ben. Uh, I did not love Ben coming out as a long-term elite wing two-way player in the mode of Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron and Pascal and all these guys. He's six six with like a six seven wingspan. That's a short-armed wing in a league full of predator wings. that have got six seven guys with seven foot wingspans, and I do think that's going to be a problem for him defensively forevermore. I, I struggle to believe he's going to be at the level of these other guys as a wing defender. However, he can really score. He, I, I know what's going wrong with him now. I think he's been struggling of late, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he can really shoot. He's very quick, not just with his first step, but his change of direction at pace at a guy with his power is very impressive. So he's got all this craft at the rim. He can play above the rim. He's very good in attack mode. What he's been doing wrong lately is he's passing up open threes to drive. And I like his drive. It's, what, it's one of the best things about him. He's a free throw magnet. And you need that. Halliburton and, and Nemhardt are not. There's really no one on that team it is except for Ben. So that's huge for Ben. To be that as a rookie, unbelievable. But he, don't fall in love with just driving in crowds because, guys, the way the league works is it takes about six weeks for these teams to figure you out. For different reasons, we can talk about some other time, maybe. Takes about six weeks. Well, here we are. We, at about six weeks, look at Ben. Uh, they're bringing the crowd to his drives, and it's trouble for him. He needs to just stay away from the crowd. That's a pop line. Shoot the open shots you're getting. Trust your shot. When they close, you out hot. Because no team wants them to shoot threes, typically. Well, then you can drive into space. But this guy's a 20-point per game scorer for a long time. I'm not convinced he's the alpha, you know, the, the, the wing that brings you a title. Uh, they're going to have to do it a different way. It's okay. You're allowed to have a great point guard, for example, or maybe they get a great center um, uh, or the best backcourt in the league at pick and roll with Ben playing off that but also as a primary scorer. So I agree with Mike. He's going to start soon enough and for a long time because he can really score. Uh, uh, his toughness is good. I, I also like, guys, when Nemar hit that game-winning three against the Lakers but also against the Warriors when he was great, I thought I thought I felt Ben and Tyrese were so excited for him. Mm-hmm. Really look at stuff like that. Uh, the Pelicans are playing a real connected brand of basketball right now. The Hawks are not. You need to have that, and so I give Ben and Tyrese a lot of credit as young players. They're not jealous of another young player on their team having success. I think they should, as they should. They should recognize we're all going to win if we do this. You know. Yeah, and I, that's
0: a great point because I think after Nimhard made that three. Benedict was caught on on Mike I think in one of the postgame interviews saying he's the rookie of the year now so it's yeah, just like pretty cool yeah you love seeing that and his team it is deals. so connected and it's it's yeah. one of those things that I think made them better record wise and what they are just because of how they're playing for each other. And you no. talked about Mather and shooting slump. It's not been great on this road trip. I think he's around 35% from the field, 17% from three on the road trip. And yeah. I think that could be partially why he is passing up those open threes to get to the rim.
1: But I think it's causing the problem. He's hesitant.
0: Yeah. He and changes. he wasn't like that early on. No. Yeah. He was
1: stroking it. Yeah. And part of it, too, is just, I mean, I'm, I'm curious
0: your thoughts on this because you've, you've seen a lot of guys come from college to the NBA Seven games in 12 days. Talk to me about how difficult that is for a young player like a Matherin, you know, just maybe too many, too many minutes and not used to having to play that many games and maybe his legs are tired. Maybe that's what's resulting in in poor shooting performances. Or is it just maybe a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? I'm just curious, you know, that step from the college level game to, to playing a heavier schedule in the NBA.
1: I think it's with someone as young as Ben, I think it's less to do with the heavy game schedule than Mm. it is every night you're playing against phenomenal players. Last night, he's got to go against Anthony Edwards. Tangela Russell, who is a surgeon in pick and roll. Uh, Rudy Gobert is in the middle. (laughs) There's no time to breathe. Mm. There's just no time to breathe. And so I think it's an emotional and mental challenge now. physical comes later very very late now it's more of oh i've got to wake up every day locked in on what my responsibilities are what reps am i getting in practice today am i doing the extra shoot around that's available to me am i watching film uh the i don't know what ben's doing any of these things but uh, my guess is he's not my guess is if if i i've not seen him change on this whole road trip and and he should have realized Passing up these open threes, I need to shoot the ball. Yeah, uh, that's just he's twenty years old, and he, he, everyone in the league knows how well he's doing. He was just rookie of the month, mm-hmm. and the other teams know that. And I was talking, I was talking to someone the other day uh, about the challenge of this league. Ben Matherin a week ago was the NBA rookie of the month, and two days ago he was the second best rookie on the Pacers. Yeah, that is the humility that you have to bring this league. As I always say, either you stay humble or you get humbled, this league humbles you so fast.
2: It it really does. And some of the defensive matchups that some of these guys have taken on, specifically Hard. I mean, early on in the season, it must have been his first week in the league. Garden James Harden. And it was just, that was the first thing. great. Yeah. It was the first thing that stood out to me was like, whoa, they're really throwing him in there. But also, it's a reflection on... The Pacers have really nailed the draft the last few years. Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte, Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Matherin. You know, we'll wait to see with Kendall Brown. I know he's a little bit more of a raw project over there, but I'd love to have seen that. But we talked about a couple of guys that are great fits together. Another fit that I'm not so sure about, same with Pacer fans, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner. You know, the Pacers tried the double bigs last year. This time around, you got two bigs that love jump shooting a little bit more than they may be making their money in the paint. What have you thought of their fit so far? Because it feels like when one of them's out, the other one's thriving. And when they're both together, maybe one of them's a little bit minimized than you hope.
1: So uh, let's, let's talk about them individually first. Uh, And let me, let me go back a little bit. When you talked about um, nailing the draft, I don't see it that way. Although I know why you say it, it looks like they did. I don't believe in that so much as I believe in building. And I mean, I'm the player development business. So, I think they've done a great job developing their players and playing them in a good scheme. You're not wrong. They drafted well. But what I'm saying is I think whoever they drafted in those spots, I give Rick Carlisle and his staff a lot of credit. They found a good way to utilize them. I mean, it's Rick's decision to play Andrew at the two, right? And then when he finally decided to play him at the one, which I, he really didn't have much of a choice, but they could have brought up a League guy. They, they had options there. I think that's culture and that's franchise player development. Um, uh, wins. So uh, I, I, Isaiah Jackson, by the way, cannot play without a lob thrower. Yeah, yes, very true. And, and then he's unbelievable. But but that that's not anything that. but uh, he didn't Tyrese have it last and
0: year. And he didn't have it last year till we traded for Tyrese either. Because right, I and, and Andrew
1: make make that dude <laughs> make it yeah. his money. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a believer yet in Jalen Smith, and I'm leaning against probably ever getting there. Um, I, uh, he shows signs, which is encouraging. I'd like to see more toughness from him. I'd like to see, I, I'm all about kicking out for three, but when he's got the ball inside against someone smaller, fake and finish strong power up, he does it sometimes not frequently. I want to see more urgency to him getting setting screens and rolling hard or popping. Um, I, I am someone that last year at True Hoop, I was writing and talking about our podcast. Uh, that the double bigs is where I think we're gonna start going more and more. Mm. And uh it turned out that I was I'm wrong plenty of times. I was right. Phoenix was playing JaVale McGee with DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton uh, Memphis tried to go small, got murdered by Kavon Looney and and went ended up going, you know, double big with uh, J, with Triple J and Steven Adams. Uh I I like what Rick's doing. What you know, he's trying to play his best players, Jalen was a lottery pick, but we also understand why maybe Phoenix let him go. And so he's got work to do. It's not over yet. Uh, you can play two guys that like to shoot the three at those spots with surgeons with the ball, like like Tyrese and Nevard, and then a shooter like, like Buddy, and then a scorer like Ben. But they also have to be willing to roll or play the dunk spot too. And that's where Isaiah excels in the dunk spot. The three of them together, I think, are interesting. There's a reason why they're winning games. It's not just Tyrese and the other guys. Um, but... So I don't think the fit's the problem, and I definitely don't think we should just assume. Well, it ain't great now; it can't be great. I'm a big believer in letting things play out. Let Rick do his coaching. Let the staff do their coaching, and um, uh, and then and then we'll see. But Jalen's got to play him with more urgency. And um, I, I, Miles made two monster threes last night. Big I time. don't have in front of me what he's shooting for the year. It was uh, around 39 percent
0: before the game last night. So 39. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, obviously, great. Um, I think he can be better defensively. I, I, I don't want him just playing for block shots. I want him to own the paint. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, you never need some help. He can't discard these guys by himself. Uh, you need some more, more guys buying into the, the defensive side. But he's trying. I think def- I think Buddy's trying defensively. And um, But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that Isaiah is not the better ultimate fit next to Miles and have just a dunk spot guy and let Miles, if he just wants to pop, then he can just go ahead and pop.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to stay there quickly with just Miles because it's kind of an interesting dynamic here. Obviously, the Pacers went out, tried to get Aiden while Miles is still on the team, and Miles is in a contract year. He's been in a lot of trade rumors. We've talked about that, but, you know, I don't really care about trade rumor stuff, but I'm just curious, do you think he's a good fit long-term with this team, or do you think they're better off potentially, you know, trading him and allowing Isaiah Jackson maybe to be that starting five uh or, or trying to address that 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 position elsewhere, whether it's the draft or whether it's via trade or something, just not knowing if Miles
1: is a long-term answer. I think sometimes we we can outsmart ourselves, guys. Uh you just told me that a guy that's led the league in block shots more than once, who's 26, how old is he? Yeah. 26. He'll be 27
0: in March. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So he's 26 for almost the entire season. Uh and he's shooting 39% plus from three before he made two monster threes. in the <laughs> half game half last half. night. Mm-hmm. And you're not sure if he's the fit. Well, goddamn right. He's the fit. <laughs> Where are you going to find a guy like that? Uh, I, and I think he can get better. I think he's playing with joy. I think he likes playing with these guys based on what I'm seeing. I have no mm-hmm. knowledge of it. Um, that doesn't mean you don't do a deal. That makes sense. But you don't have to tank. I'm not a big believer in tanking. Tyrese is an all-star right now. Right now, he is he is has a chance to be all NBA player. Right now, Nemhard's twenty two, but the dude's like twenty five in the way he plays. This guy's a mature surgeon. Maybe you can trade, buddy. Uh, I don't know what you'll get for him. You don't have to trade him. Uh, uh, if my and Miles, the question about Miles is only about what you can resign him for. I don't think they can afford. I don't think he's going to agree to an extension. Mm-hmm. because you can't give him enough. I think you can only give him 125% of what he's making. Yeah. And he's probably worth more than that in the market, right? Yeah. So you, so you got to roll the dice, talk to his agent behind the scenes. Can you, what you don't want to do, the tragedy would be to lose him for nothing. Yeah. So that, that has to be done behind the scenes, guys. You have to figure out what can we do. And then, like I said, I'd like to see, uh, Isaiah had a nice little stretch. And then, you know, this road trip's been hard for pretty much everyone but the rookie. Uh, the one rookie from Gonzaga, although he wasn't great last night. He was okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I want to see Isaiah with miles. And I mean, Miles. I think Isaiah quick enough to guard force. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm quite sure of it. And miles we know can play the perimeter on offense. I think those guys are fine together. Now you got two shot blockers and guys that can play above the rim. One guy better than the other.
0: Yeah. I mean, i, yeah. I not to cut you off. I'm just going to say, I, I think Isaiah Jackson's ability to block jump shots. We saw that. I think he had two of them against the warriors. I mean, He's just so quick in his length. I mean, last night I think he even jumped and I forget I think it was uh uh the backup point guard for the Timberwolves. He hit him in the face with his with his sneaker. Yeah. When he the sneaker. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> that's just the kind of athleticism he has. It's he like no other big on our team is like that. But anyway, I'm sorry to cut the, you off, Fush. No, no, those
1: those lobs, there were two lobs Nemhard threw to Isaiah that were seemingly brilliant by Nemhard and they were very accurate, but it's not as hard to throw that pass to a guy that could jump to 13 feet. Yeah. (laughs) That was really impressive by Isaiah. The Pacers
2: have definitely upped their athleticism. It's showing. But
1: when we talk about how young, athletic,
2: fun, and then the player development that's coming in here that you addressed before, the Pacers are slated to have three first-round picks uh, going into the draft. How how many picks is too many because – we're trying to develop players over here, but it's hard to really develop if not enough guys can get in there. As Indiana tries to, you know, inch forward and, and compete. You know, is three draft picks coming in too much after you've had two to three draft picks coming in the last few years?
1: Are they all first round picks? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's too much. I think and so I normally too. don't feel that way, but given how young these guys are and these players, it's not, I have no idea how good the Pacers player development is. Let's face it. They spend a week with them during training camp, and then they're actually, you know, games. The the systems that Rick has put in have really helped these players do well. Maybe play to them on the side is good, too. I have no idea. Um, But there's just not going to be a lot of room. And uh, they're in a position where they've got young guys that are ascending. Remember, Boston had Tatum and Brown, and they got rid of Terry Rozier, but they had him when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Those guys were young. I I don't think any is going to make the Eastern conference finals this year. And probably because there's other teams that are too good, but this team should be thinking big. And so you just have to decide, all right, I don't have to do anything. I I get to do something, right? I don't have to trade these three picks. I get to, if it's the right offer. And -hmm. if not, I'm going to take the most valuable guys, not worry about position, the most talented guys that I can take and throw them in with these veteran players you know, and if you can't play next to Andrew and Tyrese, you can't play. The way these guys pass the ball, come on. So I think there's a real possibility there where they turn those three into one very good pick. Or they draft a guy and turn two draft picks into another good role player for them. Uh, uh, they, it, it's fun to be an executive for a team that's got three picks and this kind of talent already on the roster. Yeah, I'll
0: I'll finish off our conversation here, giving you two questions here. So a little two parter for you. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts. Obviously, the Pacers traded Brogdon essentially to get a first round pick and Aaron Neesmith, Obviously, Tyce is on the roster, but I don't think there's any plans for him in the future with this team. But Aaron Neesmith, it's been kind of a up and down year for him in terms of things to like and things not to like, especially from a shooting standpoint. Has not been very good from outside which is what he was drafted for was his outside shooting um, but defensively he's been okay I think he's been a, a probably one of the Pacers better wing defenders that they've had but fouls a lot in my opinion I'm curious your thoughts on him and then secondly what position do you think the Pacers need to
1: address the most moving forward so uh, first of all I don't think they've quit on Daniel Tice and I think he's going to okay. playing. yeah I think I think he's going to end up helping the team um, that's just my own opinion but uh, he knows what he's doing yeah, And again, because we think Isaiah can play the four, that's two really good paint protectors, shot blockers on the court at the same time. Mm. So that that's interesting to me. You can't play him with Miles, really, but you can definitely play him with Jalen or Isaiah. So I, I look for that going forward. Um, uh, Nesmith can't shoot. I mean, you know, at some point, you can't just be an athlete undersized and make it in this league. That's why I say with Tyrese, he went from being likely solid to a superstar because he's a shot maker. And uh, Nesmith just isn't there. So you, you know, like him for his defense. But when Duarte comes back, we know Duarte has been able to shoot yeah. and is actually a pretty good defender. Mm-hmm. So as a Pacer fan, which I'm not, but if the, those that are Pacer fans, you want to see Duarte get that chance because Nesmith just hasn't shown me, but I don't trust I don't trust him at all and to make smart plays and to shoot well. And then secondly, uh, I definitely think the, the four spot. I think Ben's ultimately your three. Mm -hmm. You've got Nemhard and Duarte as a two. You have the tandem of of Nemhard with Tyrese at the one. Tyrese obviously on the court most of the time as your primary ball handler. Uh, You got to run more second side, third side action, uh, and get Nemhard involved in the pick and roll. Now you have two. Like you'll have two of the best pick and roll players in the league on your team. They're both under twenty three and under. Uh, I I don't trust your four. Is is that guy? Jalen might be that guy. Uh, and, And he doesn't have to be a shooter. If you have Miles Turner as your five, you don't have to have a shooter. You need, you need a, a, a high-level defender, uh, in my opinion, a good basketball player. He doesn't have to be an athlete. He can be. He, doesn't, he just has to be a good basketball player because of these two surgeons you have with the ball. And then you have Buddy and Ben, who both are shooters, and Ben's really more of a scorer, uh, needs to be a shooter. I, I love that combination. you gotta, you got to find a foreman that can really play. Really
2: agree with that because that's kind of what I was getting at with Jalen and Miles Turner because there's a couple games both games against the Timberwolves Pacers got absolutely crushed on the glass and in the paint I know Jalen Smith did not play in the last one but that's what happens when you have two bigs that want to shoot compared to some guys that can maybe you know out rebound and not let Gobert pull down 21 rebounds last night and you know Towns and Gobert had you know between 15 to 20 rebounds each the last yeah, time we played yeah. him so it, it's becoming a little bit of a problem, but. Before we wrap up over here, David, you mentioned you're not a Pacer fan, but what I can say, we're growing on you. And I like. Oh, no, I, I don't root for anyone. All right. I've okay. got well, friends over the go. league. Yeah. I root uh, for everyone to do well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take it because I definitely like how you have been tuning into Pacer games. It shows you most definitely know your stuff, but tell everybody where they could find you out on social media and some of the awesome content that you have going on.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. But yeah, let me be clear. I don't dislike the Pacers at all. Uh, <laughs> I was a Laker fan with Norm Nixon and Magic Johnson in the 70s. All right. Okay. Uh, and I'm an old man. I'm going to be 58 in February. I don't root for any particular team. I root for all of them to do well. I don't. I, I also root for my predictions to be right. Yeah, that's, that's good. Way off of winning Indiana because I had Indiana winning 20-something. So clearly <laughs> I was wrong there. I did not see this kind of jump from Tyrese. And the way the rookies are playing, was, You know, I didn't expect that. Who, who would? Um, someone smarter than me, maybe. So yeah, I'm at true hoop We do, we, I just published a big article today on Zion and the Pelicans, uh, being, uh, I think they have a real chance to win the West, maybe smoke the West. Wow. Uh, They're really getting much better. And Zion's not even at his peak yet. And they've got a bunch of young players too. talk about a a team with young talent. They're loaded. Uh, and then we do a podcast called true hoop where we really talk mostly on court X and O kind of stuff. Uh, but we also cover some other topics. We have another Podcast called True Hoop Tactics, where I really break down the X and O part of it. Uh, we've done two so far. We have another one coming, uh, December 15. and then we have guests, a lot of authors that come on, and people write basketball books. So I was at ESPN for a decade, and left. We started our own place. Couple, we're we're going to be, I think, uh, four in February. So our fourth awesome. year. So wow. very excited about that.
0: That's great stuff, man. I want to thank you for coming on. It really means a lot to us to be able to just kind of pick your brain because as a coach and as someone that breaks down X's and O's so well, you can see things better on the court than we can see it and kind of help us understand why these players are having such special seasons. So I really appreciate that coach. And uh, thanks so much for coming on. We'll have to do it again soon.
1: My pleasure. I'll do it again. Happy holidays to you both. Thanks a lot coach.
0: All right, everybody, we told you that was going to be awesome. And we did not lie to you. I I loved everything that he had to say. Even getting in depth on talking about Miles and Ijax playing together more, maybe even being a better fit than Miles and Jalen Smith. Man, I mean, just a lot of interesting stuff there, Fachi. But uh anything else you want to add before we get on out of here?
2: No, I would just say, hey, David brought it today. It great energy, you know, great ins and outs. Uh, I know that we always want to have a little bit of something for everybody, you know, not be too analytically driven, try and tiptoe that line. I thought David did a great job breaking down some X's and O's and all that. So I, I thought that was a lot of fun and uh Man, Alex, I would just say we're gonna have to do it again sometime.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we could have probably went another forty five minutes talking about other players that we didn't even get to. So, you know, interesting stuff from him. And like he said, he's not a Pacers fan. So even though Fati tried to get him to try and join the 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 right side of basketball fandom, uh, David Thorpe. Nope, I love all basketball players. I root for every basketball player to do well. I don't root for any teams, so uh, I live with it. I, I, I accept it as well. It is what it is. But great basketball mind, and it's always good to talk with people that see the game very well. So, with that being said, Fachi, absolutely kick us off
2: here with the outro. Absolutely. So you can find us at Setting the Pace Three on Twitter. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on
0: YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace. Pacers Podcast, subscribe. Let us know what you think of all of our content because we want to hear from you and we want to see you hit that subscribe button so we can continue to put more content on YouTube. The more you subscribe, the more content you will get. But with that being said, if you believe that Andrew Nimhart has the potential to become a future all-star in this league, Fachi, hit me with those three words.
2: Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going
1: to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.